The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Do you sing a jingle? Um, I don't <laughs> sing a jingle. I wish I had a jingle. Maybe I should have a jingle. I think you should have a jingle. That'd be fun. Lin, lin, lin. Mad women in the attic. <laughs> Done. That's, That's it. it. And that is the podcast introduced. and welcome to Mad Women in the Attic. This week I am joined by Anna Hunscott, stage manager extraordinaire. Great, I'll yeah. take it. Yeah. We're going to delve into the ridiculous things said to her by lovers, colleagues and just about anyone with a smidge of prejudice. Anna, thanks for being here. Pleasure, thanks for having me. So um, talk to me, is there a sort of first time that you really think can remember being made to feel a bit crazy or a bit mental? Well, I was thinking long and hard about this. Um because I think my first uh, sort of awareness of the word crazy being used to label someone else was with um, laugh, 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 ha, ha, ha. My dad calling my mum crazy Ooh. and being like... We've gone straight in with it, guys. <laughs> straight in. Yeah. Um, but in like a very lighthearted, like, oh, well, of course, because your mum is crazy. And, um, and at the time... I didn't really ever think about it but now looking back it's such a like a weighted word so I think that was probably my youngest and I was probably I don't know maybe 14 then and so so then when anyone ever would use that word with me I immediately associated that sort of situation with my mom and her level of craziness in um, air brackets and in terms of like people actually calling me crazy I think I've been relatively lucky in that I don't have stand out examples of, yeah. of someone actually calling me crazy but I have a zillion tiny little like chips away yes especially with work I would say I think that is something quite interesting in our industry yes and specifically what you do in this industry yeah where you work with men behind the scenes yeah of theatre yeah so I also work as a stage manager and Anna and I have worked together. We both know exactly what it's like to go into a situation yeah. as the only female need to get a job done. I think as well the only female in um, a position of authority. A lot of the times we are in charge of load-ins and turnarounds and things like that. And the amount of times that you are talked over or just ignored. I think my favourite example is um, while I was still at university. So I was maybe 19 and I am blessed with a baby face. So oh, when I was 19, She's adorable, guys. <laughs> when I was 19, I looked about 14 years old. Um, and I was still, you know, I, I didn't have the confidence. And I didn't have the voice to sort of argue against this. But we went and put a show into an old steelworks factory in Sheffield um, where I went to university. And the guy that ran the factory, he was like a steel worker, Sheffield man. And um, I was there focusing some lights and stuff like that. And I needed some information about power. And I went and spoke to him and he literally couldn't look me in the eyes and then said the words, oh, when's your boss getting here, love? And I was like, oh, no, 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 that's that's me. I I am the boss of this situation. And um, he was so rude to me. And my reaction then, and um, still, you know, can be to now, when I get really angry, I, I cry. And it's the most frustrating thing. Yeah. But it's just like that lack of control. So, so I got so annoyed that I angry cried, which was the worst thing to do, because then he basically could just be like, 
oh, petal, like, you know, this is all a bit too much for you. And in the end, it got so bad and I was so nervous about not getting the show up on time that I had to call the guy that I was seeing at the time who had a tiny relation to theatre and get him to come to the steel factory so that this man could speak to my boyfriend at the time who would then like relay the information between us. That is horrifying. Shocking. In so many different ways. Absolutely shocking. The thing is, I'm not, I'm I'm disgusted, but I'm yeah. not that shocked. No, I know, right, I know. Like, and I think at that point I was like, oh, this is a one-off experience because I am really young and we're in, you know, a factory that's not like a theatre setting. And um, so I was hopeful that as I move forward in my career, I wouldn't, come across people like that again um and unfortunately that has not been the case (laughs) um that is a particularly that's my favorite that is yeah quite something so in in the situation that the show that Rachel and I worked on together and now Rachel works on her own it's us and then two guys and the amount of times that people will direct conversations to one of those guys and they don't have a clue yeah I know (laughs) as much I love them dearly but they have zero clue and they are both really good and this is something that I wanted to talk about as well in the sense of people being allies in that situation so I've had situations especially being on tour abroad where um, people have tried to speak to one of the boys and both of them will just go I don't have a clue but Anna will know exactly what's going on because she's in charge and I think that is really important especially for men to to see when it's happening and to yeah identify it and be like oh no no and call it out um I completely agree and that has been really nice particularly on this show I was talking to my housemates about I was sort of gathering stories that I could uh, bring to this and Cassie, my housemate, works in lighting and TV, which is a real male-orientated industry. And often she's the only female in the lighting industry on whatever show she's doing. And she says that she has it again and again and again, that people will um, ignore what she's suggesting and rig bits of kit incorrectly. And she'll be there going, I really think that we should be doing it like this, this and this. And then it'll get to the end and someone will go, oh, wait, we should have done it like that. And and she said it used to be really frustrating, but now more and more, when that happens, it still happens, so they still get to the point where they realise they've done it wrong. And then someone will go, oh yeah, Cassie said we should have done it like that. And she was saying it in the sense of being like, that's quite gratifying that people are like, oh yeah, Cassie did say that and we all ignored her and now we've got to do this again. But I was like, surely what would be more rewarding was that they just listened to you in the first place. Yeah, that person that's then on your side yeah. at the end when it's gone wrong, if they could just say something at the time. Right at the time. But people feel like it's hard to go out on a limb. Yeah. Especially packs of men, dare yeah. I say, yeah. working together. <laughs> Do you know what is interesting that you said? We've talked a lot on this podcast about crying. Oh, okay. It's very difficult to maintain a sense of authority after you've cried. Mm. But it's really, really hard not to. Yeah. When you are frustrated and angry at the situation, and I kind of think it's a bit of a vicious circle. Yeah, why is that? Why do tears come? I don't know. That's so unhelpful. But I think it's harder for you. Well, I think what I have found to be the case, I used to be very quick to anger in situations that I felt were unjust or unfair. And then that would then lead to the angry crying. And then I felt like I totally lost my position of authority in that situation. And so what I found was the way to manage that was I just, I have to let it go. Like I have to let it wash over me. And I, I don't let myself get angry anymore, which in one sense, 
is good, I guess, in terms of getting my job done because it means that I just let it go and I get the job done and then I come back and like process and deal with it later. But what it does mean is that I'm allowing people to get away with situations yeah. that I shouldn't, I should be calling people out. But in my head, it's like a toss up between, which probably makes me like an awful female for like for not calling people out I don't know what the right thing in that situation to I think do is there's a strength in not saying anything yeah because I don't know if I'm there yet I can't bite my tongue yeah well this is why I sent Rachel a um, link to a Guardian article yesterday that was a quiz about how angry you were your score was entirely accurate I feel to what I would imagine that you would get that and- is not necessarily a compliment <laughs> I say it from a place of love because I am exactly the same. Rachel and I both got results that said that we should seek um, professional help. Professional help. Yes. (laughs) So it was basically you added it up as you went along and it was a score out of three. And it was stuff like, how angry do you get if you feel like someone has done something personally to you that is unjust? Yeah. Or if you see somebody driving like a twat. Yeah. And I get quite angry Quite and those fairly. I mean they're very frustrating the real Anna uh, needs to seek professional help for her rage issues but professional Anna has managed to maintain this um calm exterior yeah <laughs> which has been an effort definitely I bet but also important professionally because once you've got these kind of crazy mad psycho labels yeah it's hard um and your own there's this thing about you're only ever as good as your last job the second that you get hard with one of those labels it's impossibly hard to get rid of it which is i think why so many people struggle through situations that they they really needed to ask for help in and they they do paper over the cracks so much because everyone's petrified of not getting work again when you work in a you know a, a freelance industry it's you never know when, you know, if you take time out for your own sort of well-being or anything like that, you're all of a sudden in limbo because you're out of the loop of then getting work for the next thing. Mental health within the, the arts is is tricky. It's so, so tricky. Yeah, you don't have any sort of separation is what no. I find between home life and work life. No. You don't get to leave it. It's no. always there. <laughs> Um, well, I think as well, because it's something that you are so innately passionate about as well, that you you do, you pour your soul into it as well. Which I think being stage managers, that you do have to present this really put together persona. And often as well, you are looking after people that need, that need more support. I mean, being a performer is incredibly emotionally draining. And, and as stage management, you have pastoral care. No one's taught us how to do any of that pastoral care and a lot of it we should be signposting but we don't know how to do that and we don't know where to signpost to so you do end up becoming sort of this untrained unqualified therapist position which is actually really dangerous for for everyone and it's hard (laughs) to know what the right thing to say is yeah absolutely absolutely and I and I do think being female is then just you're just adding it onto the list because it's all well and good until something goes wrong and then all of a sudden it all comes crashing down and it's all your fault so you have to I think you have to protect yourself in situations like that and like flag it to the right people I'm and I'm again much better at that now but it was definitely a time when I was sort of just starting out that I would just take it all on board and and let it affect me personally as well and then not share it with you know producers because you feel like a sense of loyalty to people that are confiding in you as well but actually you have to be able to to strike the balance and and remember it's a job (laughs) yeah remember it's just a job 
Do you find, because you're a woman, people assume that you're a good listener, that you're sensitive in that respect? Yes, yes, I think so, definitely. I think I have an awful memory, so people confide in me and then I forget what has happened, which is just (laughs) shocking. But I do think that that is, you're seen as like this sort of nurturing caregiver mother hen type person I absolutely can play into that but that isn't I'd say my natural standpoint (laughs) I I can be quite sort of firm and brutal brutal yeah I was I was skirting around using that word but I'm glad glad you went straight into it 100% (laughs) which doesn't really fit in with the nurturing caregiver mode so so I I feel like it's a hat that I wear occasionally because you have to play into it sometimes right yeah you do I think I struggle to do that with men more than I do with women yes I can be very nurturing to other women yeah but with male performers sometimes all I've got is sarcasm (laughs) (laughs) and and I want to be there for them but I'm like I don't really have this in me right now no I know right it is funny it's really interesting it's a really tricky balance as well I find with men especially men that are older that you want to be supportive and there but you also don't want to be misconstrued to be giving any incorrect signals that is it yeah right yeah yeah, you're 100% right that's it sarcasm is like the the best Yeah, you've got to protect yourself. Yeah, because you don't... I had a situation recently that I was introduced to someone that works in this industry. I I think I have to be quite careful about how I say all of this. Um, I was introduced to someone through friend for friend and and it was a social situation and I was like put my best foot forward because there was a chance that, you know, there might be a a work relationship at some point in the future. Yeah. So I was on an A-game, like very friendly, chat, 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 lovely, lovely, lovely. And... Then a couple of weeks later, the friends that had introduced us got in touch to say, oh, this person's asked for your number. And I was like, why would they ask for my number? That wasn't the vibe at all. Bearing in mind, this person is male. And the conversation that we'd had had been about like sleeping with girls and like about they were doing a show that had a lesbian in and we were talking about representations of lesbians on stage and how difficult it was that they were a male. So all of this. So so he had no idea that I would even... want to go on a date with him and he pursued he pursued he pursued he asked my friend so many times then he added me on Facebook and I just was like who this is such an abuse of power and position yeah it's interesting that that was the conversation as well because there's a real fetishization of bisexuality oh my god (laughs) yes (laughs) it's a real tightrope talking to men about that sort of thing yeah and you know this better I than most. I know this so well. I'm just outing you on a podcast. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, it's totally fine. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, you're not particularly in. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yes, I have this a uh, lot with with guys that I start to see that are obsessed with this idea that they're sleeping with a lesbian or that they're like they're the one that can turn me back or anything like that. It's really bizarre, and often as well, it's just like a real I think it's like a sense of male pride almost you could go out and like snog a girl and that wouldn't be cheating but if you went and snogged a guy that would be like the end end of the world it's such a weird world to inhabit yeah men are fucking weird (laughs) 
<laughs> and if we've learned nothing else, guys, <laughs> that's um, the takeaway. All of television history is contained in the box of delights. I've climbed up Nelson's column once before. These are small. And put it down in front of Backpush. I'm Julia Rayside. Join me and my guests as we dip into our favourite TV memories. You can't tell me what to do, you ain't my mother! I love it when a plan comes together. Come and tell us what yours are too. We've all been told we can't discuss nominations. It's a bit of car in. Shut up with a novel on the top. I think I like you, Lovejoy. Find us on Twitter at BoxDelightsPod and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Great big owl. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. So recently, you worked on Company on the West End. I did. With Rosalie Craig yes. and Patty Lapone. Patty Lapone. Patty Lapone. Yes. Who has her own reputation. Yes, she is a good one to talk about, actually. Right. I hadn't thought about this. You're very clever. Well, it comes and goes. Um, <laughs> Patty has a reputation that precedes her. Um, she is a Broadway superstar, I'd say. I don't think she's as well known over here, but she has so many so everyone has a patty story when you right. tell them that you're working with patty lapone they'll be like oh my friend did this and la 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 so the main thing is that she has a well fought out in public ongoing issue with oh my god i've just totally forgotten his name um andrew lloyd webber there we go oh, he, she really? has like a long running feud with andrew lloyd webber because um when they were doing vita she did a vita over here and it got transferred to broadway and Andrew didn't take her and she got told just before she was going on to do a show over here and the story goes that she ripped a chair off the wall in her dressing room and threw it right so these this is sort of the level of of Patty story that you hear and she will say in interviews that she is allowed to act like that because she's so talented. That's Really? She'll say that? Yes. So she says she's allowed to be a diva because she has the talent, which is, yeah. It's It's an interesting standpoint there, isn't it? I know, right? It is. And there's something in that as well, how long she's been in the industry for and all of that kind of stuff that she feels like she's earned that standpoint. So going into company, I was nervous because... You also, I remember I watched an interview with her where she was like, I don't see the point of tech. Why should I stand around and wait for other people? Like, we shouldn't have to stand through tech. Oh, God, they are the worst. Right, I know, right? Um, So I was really nervous going in. Now, I would say that Patty had a, a good time on company, but I think that's because everyone was bending over backwards to make sure she had a good time um which you know was sort of for the good of the show and she is a delight a lot of the time like really friendly and she knew everyone's name backstage and you know it was that's nice it was lovely but she also screamed in our faces quite a lot so see i just find that completely unacceptable behavior from performers i agree I just, in what context? How can you justify that? Right? And and a lot of the time it would be, you know, in tech where she's coming off stage and we literally haven't had the time to like put some glow tape down or something. And she, so she's sort of like screaming in people's faces about how it's unsafe and all of that. And which is, 
totally fine. But what she doesn't see is the fact that, you know, we've been up all night so that we can just get on stage and tech. And it's, there was no wiggle room, like absolutely zero. No recognition that you guys have a really hard job. Yeah, she was an interesting one. And definitely she is one of those people would label as as crazy, I would say. And I think they do it in quite, it's quite damaging, but it's also, they do it in quite a fun, flippant way. I think there's something very industry chic Yes. In that comment tree, yes. you know? Yes. This is when I wanted to bring in the thing with females in the industry, especially women in lead roles who get flagged as, as crazy or anything like that. There was a really well publicized thing with Sheridan Smith last year, who was in Funny Girl. And um, there was like absolute chaos around it because lots of times she would come on and appear drunk they had to cancel a show like 15 minutes in one day and it was the curtain came down and they were told that it was technical difficulties but everyone in the audience was tweeting about how drunk Sheridan was and all of this there's a famous thing about how apparently she threw a bottle of champagne at the producer's head one night and all of this and in the end she left and the undercity stepped up and all of the stuff if you google it now all of the the you know the daily mail headlines or like Sheridan has a meltdown like all of this and it's so damaging and the words around it are so unfair and calling her a psycho and crazy and all of that when actually when you look into it she was losing her dad to terminal cancer yeah for people that don't know Sheridan Smith is an actress and West End star and a singer. Mm. She was uh, Smithy's sister in yeah. uh, Gavin, Gavin and Stacey and was in Legally Blonde um, and has just had incredible roles mm. and is sort of seen as one of the, the big stars yeah, of the West definitely. End. She is spectacular and I, I looked this up and all of the stuff around it, all of the all of the ones that weren't interviews with her yes. were calling her mental yeah. and psycho. And then Graham Norton did that horrible joke, joke at the BAFTAs yeah. about um, we're all going to have a few glasses of technical difficulties. Yeah. And there was that awful, I watched the clip of it, cringy moment where like everybody laughed apart from the people surrounding her who didn't know if it was okay to laugh or yeah. not. And she just, she tried to smile and it, it was just sad. Yeah, And she knew like, you know, she said that she knew things were getting on top of her, but she also felt like as a young woman yeah. in the theatre, you have to take every single opportunity because if you take any time out, yeah, that's it, that's you're it. done. People forget about you. And this really damaging thing of the show must go on, which is so damaging, yeah. I think. Actually, what it needed was for someone just to go, right, this is it. We're, we're calling this. Let's put the understudy on. You know, let's give you some time off. Yeah, you're right. I think it snowballed on her. Yeah, absolutely. I think she just needed somebody to understand. Yeah, absolutely. And now, really interestingly, so she hasn't really been in anything since that. And now she's coming back to do, she's in Joseph in the Technical Dreamcoat. And it's so interesting hearing people talk. And, you know, I get a lot of sort of Industry, industry chatter. Industry chatter. But everyone's everyone's making a joke about it. Everyone's like, oh, Sheridan, you wouldn't, you know, you'd be you'd be really nervous about having her in your cast. I feel like everyone is watching her to, to see if she'll slip up again, um, which is just really sad, actually. Really sad. And this is, it was sort of the same thing with Saran Jones um, leaving Frozen as well. So Saran Jones, again, incredible actress who was sort of shot to fame with Dr. Foster in 2015. And then off the back of that, had another TV show that I can't remember the name of, but then got the lead in Frozen, which was basically about paedophilia. It was really dark. And she left halfway through the show. And again, it was that thing of people being like, oh, she's had a meltdown. She can't deal with it. And, and she actually, in the interview,
interviews she did or you know anything surrounding that did say it's the subject matter is really dark and I can't really cope with it but again it was that situation of someone having to get to the point of breaking before they could seek help yeah, that is sad. I didn't know that. Where was Frozen on? When was it on? Um, uh, it was last year or the year before. I think it was on at the Haymarket. I might have been wrong, but it was a really, it was a dark show and yeah. a really dark subject matter. And she basically passed out in the middle of the show. Oh my goodness. Um, backstage because it was just too much. And it, mm. it had got to the point where um, she was having massive anxiety attacks. There's just not enough importance placed on mental well-being you know it's a real issue i'd say within the arts in general i'm gonna ask a personal question watch out guys um <laughs> relationship wise yeah you mentioned dr foster mm. and the sort of oh, terrible gaslighting that goes on within that before she goes on to seek these very complex and uh, brutal revenges yeah, on, she on the yeah she <laughs> um has there ever been anything like that for you? Not that extreme, I don't think. I say this really like cringy thing about um, losing my voice within relationships. And that has definitely happened to me before where I just go into myself and don't say things that I'm thinking or that I feel because I'm scared of losing that person because they have so much more control in a relationship than than I do. And I think that is really damaging. Yeah, that is. And I think, well, that's one of the main things about the labelling of women as emotional or crazy or, or anything yeah. like that is is as a way to silence them. Relationships are about power, about who has the voice. Absolutely. And if you're not the one with the voice, then you're not the one with the power. Yeah, absolutely. And I've definitely had relationships where I have been scared about having any voice because I've wanted so desperately to stay in that relationship that the thought of like saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing would mean them leaving. So it's such a power play. This is an interesting one for, for me, I think. what Do you find it different in relationships with men and women? Oh my God, so staggeringly different. <laughs> um, yes, 100% my personal experience. Relationship with uh, with women are so much more level pegging and equal. There isn't any sense of like, of losing that voice, I guess. I mean, it's such like a head fuck, I, I would say. And I'm still sort of exploring relationships and sexuality and all of that kind of stuff. And, and generally, I always, in my head, I always would prefer to have a relationship with a woman because of that equal footedness and that sense of like being a team. But there's, there's also something in me that I kind of find it sexy that that like power play thing as well with men, which is so fucked up, <laughs> but it's, it's why I still sleep with men because yeah. there is something about them like having a louder voice than you or in the sense of like feeling like you're the submissive within that or something like that. So it's kind of a head fuck in that sense because you're like, actively every day trying to be on an equal footing with men right yeah you're fighting for it and then behind the scenes there's still like a bit of me that's like oh it's kind of hot though isn't it like, <laughs> which is so <laughs> fucked up <laughs> um you know what is terrible it's terrible because it's true yeah you are bigger and stronger than me yeah yeah that's fine you, you tell me what you want yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely and that shouldn't be like gender specific right that yeah. should just be anything but 
from in my experience, I have yet to find the perfect woman who will tell me what to do. <laughs> if you're out there. <laughs> so if you're out there, get in touch, find the podcast. Um, I'll post a picture of Anna. She's adorable, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is really hard. And I think yeah. there's that thing is of no one's perfect, right? And yeah. we're all just like striving to... to but we're also sorry to interrupt because mm. I didn't know what you were going, where you're going with that. <laughs> Neither did I. I don't think. So. <laughs> we're, because, but we're also women are conditioned to want the approval of men. Yeah. Whereas we're not really conditioned to want the approval of other women, mm. which is potentially why our relationships, sexual relationships with women, can be more equal. Mm. Because nobody's bending over backwards to please each other. Hey. We're, <laughs> we're <all laughs> conversationally I mean (laughs) Um, I just loved you can't see it but the little glint in Anna's eye as she went to say that I was just quite excited because we've managed to turn this from like a a, a really great podcast into a sex podcast which of course was always going to be the way it was just always going to (laughs) be but I think that is the thing is again with like with my housemate saying that at work people are going oh no yeah Cassie did say that it is like we're showing signs of improvement and that's all that we can hope for right is in sense obviously we can hope for it to be 100% equal but I mean like on a daily basis like all we can hope is that more and more people will will recognize that in those situations where women are are getting put down or talked over is is other people going no hang on a minute like that you listen like you just need to listen yeah so I think we just have to hope that that is becomes the norm the norm the norm um and eventually something will change yeah I think that is an excellent stopping point yeah so like I've just <laughs> fixed <wonderful>. the world <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being here thanks Anna for Hunt-Scott. having me bye guys Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.